0: Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society.
1: The velvet cloak of night shrouds the London airport. All is quiet, all is serene. But this is the lull before the storm. Thousands of Beatles fans are bedded down for the night to await the arrival of their heroes. When the dawn comes up, like a teenage scream, the arrival of the froggy-voiced foursome is imminent. The cries of the crowd grow in pitch and volume, drowning out the whine of the jet engines.
2: Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour.
0: Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our clinical psychoanalyst, Slick Frank Sanders. Hey, yo, psychoanalyzing all of the people. <laughs> yeah, psychoanalyzing. We're here, we're here, we're here. Welcome, hushlings to season seven. Seven seasons, boys. Seven Ba-ba-ba. seasons. We made it. Ba-ba-ba-ba.
1: I think we should replace the air horn noise with like bomb sirens.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we
1: go. <laughs> I'm excited about
2: season seven. I don't know about you guys. Are you? Yeah. I'm ready.
1: We do have some banger
0: topics lined up. We it's do. Looking pretty. Do. Looking pretty nice. Season seven is going to be exciting. We've changed our lights a little bit. We're more lit.
1: Yes, season seven. And for the start of it, we have the mother load of all conspiracies a cabal of social scientists working for global elites to control the thoughts and minds of the population worldwide that's right hushlings the
2: tavistock institute has been called one of the most powerful entities of the shadow government it's been operating since world war one and they have had powerful political and psychological sway over the masses.
0: Mmm. But before we have our thoughts incepted, just want to let you know, as always, we are available on all social media. So You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, you can find all of our information, all of our links, and everything that you could ever want about the show and all its relations on our website, www.hushhushsociety.com. And some new news for you, hushlings out there. We now have a Rockfin channel. If you're not familiar with Rockfin, Rockfin is much like YouTube, a video format website where we can talk about conspiracies and not get banned every other episode.
2: Yeah, the Gestapo is not poking around every five minutes.
0: We don't like this material. You are banned. (laughs) Hate speech. Van (laughs) strike. Do strike! <laughs> yeah, Slashlings, Rockfin is the new home for Hush Hush Society in all our video formats. You can join Rockfin for free or with a paid subscription to our channel and watch us in hi-fi. Our video element not only features our wonderful faces, but also visuals pertaining to what we are discussing. So if you've never seen us in video, it is worth checking it out. Find us on rockfin, rockfin.com forward slash Society, as always.
1: How can you just listen to somebody talk for dozens and dozens and dozens of
0: episodes and not wonder what they look like? Maybe they have a, an image of what we look like in their heads and what we are in their heads and they don't want to ruin that image. Maybe they see sh- three striking young lads and then they see us on video and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, there goes that sexual fantasy. <laughs> yeah, you got that one
2: person that's like, "Oh man, I thought Mike was actually a Sasquatch. This is bullshit. I thought he was going to be
0: hairier."
1: Hushlings, you would be doing us a great service by leaving us a review. You can leave a star rating on Spotify or even comment on Apple and our website. This helps us become a better show for you, our listeners. Let's say, you
2: boys, shall we check in? We begin our study by talking about Dr. Hugh Crichton Miller was a Scottish-born psychologist and psychiatrist who established clinical psychology services for shell-shocked soldiers shortly after the end of World War I. These services included preventative psychiatry, group relations expertise, including army officer selection, social psychiatry,
1: and action research. Some say the creation of Tavistock started around 1913 by the Committee of 300 and was responsible for creating propaganda to involve Britain in the war against Germany. This was due to the fact that Germany was surpassing Britain in economic power.
0: We kind of said a buzzword in the conspiracy realm, the Committee of 300. For those of you that don't know, the Committee of 300 is a group Of 300 wealthy elite men, supposedly, allegedly, that control the economies of the world, uh, political decisions across the world, no matter the country. They don't have a country, really, but they were formed by British elite. In like the
1: early 1700s, right? Way yes, back they've way. been around for way a back long,
0: way. long time. Some even say as early as the 1400s. What? Very old group. Very old group. Not much is known about them. I would love to do an entire episode on them, but the information would be very sparse. The only way is to infiltrate? Yeah, become incredibly wealthy.
1: No, I'm talking like Alex Jones
0: infiltrate. Like oh, oh, yeah, shirtless yeah. with a camera, <laughs> wear a powdered wig. You would have to. You'd have to. It's only right. Another rumored reason for its formation was to establish a centralized bank in order to destroy the gold standard and infiltrate American culture to undermine morality and religion. Is that not happening Uh. right now? (laughs) Ah. You'll see, the more that we uncover how uncanny these things are for those that think it's just a conspiracy. In 1920, this organization would officially become known as the Tavistock Clinic. Its staff, who were mostly unpaid honorary psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers, were interested in researching and consulting with military leadership.
2: The Tavistock Clinic was instrumental in British Army psychiatry. They were responsible for developments such as the War Office Selection Boards and Civil Resettlement Units while working with counterparts in the Royal Army Medical Corps and the British Army. The clinic intended to expand its research and consulting into military and private groups, although these works could be prohibited under the newly formed National Health Services because
0: the NHS services the general public. So this group could not do these privately funded things and work with the military because they wanted to be included under the newly formed national health service in the UK. So in order to do that, they would pretty much have to only work with the public. They weren't allowed to do private things and they weren't allowed to work with the military. So they could only work with the general public.
1: As a result The Tavistock Institute of Human Relations was created in 1947 to provide consulting services to organizations, while the Tavistock Clinic continued to be part of the NHS. The Rockefeller Foundation provided a significant grant that aided in the establishment of the institute, along with the Milner Group and even the British Monarchy. See, the Rockefeller Foundation
2: comes up all the time. Tied into everything. Even when we go forward talking about the Flat Earth, Rockefeller Foundation, we have a section in that episode. Very strange stuff with that
1: family.
0: Mm. And as we previously mentioned, it's said that the Committee of 300 also has members of the Rockefeller group.
1: I read that, yeah.
2: And if you caught our Sleepy Hollow episode, there's Rockefellers buried in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. They have their own private cemetery within the cemetery.
0: Grappy little fingers and everything. You just mentioned the Milner group. Those that are not familiar with the Milner group, they are essentially the UK version of the Rockefeller Foundation or the Ford Foundation. They are also a UK version of one of those groups that has their fingers in all these different pies.
1: So it might get you thinking, why Why are these these secretive families, if you will, investing so, so much money into Tavistock. What are they getting out of it at this Mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, looking at the bigger picture before we go into it, do you think the Tavistock Institute as a whole was originally meant to be what it turned out to be? What we're going to explain what it turned out to be?
0: Mm. If the rumors about its inception are true and it was truly a child of the Committee of 300 or the Rockefeller Group, which it seems like it might be considering that they had their funding from the Rockefellers and the Milner Group and the British monarchy. You put those groups together, there is alternative reasoning as to why they would invest so heavily in this institute and in in this group of people. There is something nefarious
2: to it. Originally, I would say it probably had some sort of non nefarious purpose because they were offering psychological services to shell shock soldiers. So essentially it's, you're, you're doing a positive thing for guys that experience such negative thing, uh, but it, things change quickly.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at, but that could have also just been a front, you know, could have been
0: the line where things change is at the end of world war one when the NHS is created and, Part of that clinic wanted to still continue to work with the NHS and provide those general public services. And then there was this breakoff group, the funded group that wanted to get into these private things and get in bed with the military.
2: Once it becomes militarized, like really militarized, not just in a health sense with the military when they get their fingers in it, no matter what
1: country you're in, you're Mm -hmm. dealing
2: with a whole different entity.
1: It's worth noting that wartime and shortly after wartime, so World War I, World War II, Vietnam, even the Cold War, even though it wasn't really a war, it tends to spark social engineering on both the good guy's side and the bad guy's side. And I feel like this was this was a big part of that. Moving forward. The TIHR, or the Tavistock Institute of Human Relations, was formed by medical professionals in the fields of psychology, psychoanalysis, and psychiatry. The founders were Elliot Jock, Henry Dix, Leonard Brown, Ronald Haygreaves, John Rawlings Reese, Mary Luff, Wilfred Bion, and Tommy
0: Wilson. The Institute, like any private sector entity, had to pay its bills. Gotta do it, keep the lights on. Research grants, contract work, and professional development course fees provided cash flow. During the 1950s and 1960s, the Institute collaborated on a number of landmark projects with major manufacturers, such as, and you'll recognize some of these business names, Unilever, the Ahmedabad Manufacturing and Calico Printing Company, Shell, Bayer, and Glacier Metals, Management, Women in the Workplace, and the adoption of new technologies were also explored. Big names. Yeah, especially if you listen to our BlackRock episode, uh, you'll notice Unilever was a huge company, huge, huge company. Of course, Bayer and Shell, very large corporations. But one thing that they point out here is the... Adoption of new technology. A couple of these guys that were working, a couple of these doctors and social engineers that were working for Tavistock, they're responsible for a lot of the modern day work things that we do now. The attitudes regarding how CEOs and upper management will talk about their income as yearly or quarterly salary, and regular workers will talk about their pay hourly or weekly. And the whole idea behind that is that CEOs and higher upper management, when they talk about their income, a higher number is talked about, which means more of an elite status to your brain. Whereas like a person saying I make $500 a week or, you know, $600 a week or whatever it may be, that's a small number in comparison to the yearly amount that a CEO gets. Something as small and insignificant as how they talk about management versus a regular worker is what Tavistock worked on in workplace settings. So they created a a class system within the workplace. Exactly.
1: I totally meant thought you meant like HR and safety regulations and OSHA and technologies like that. Fuckers. (laughs) There,
0: There is some stuff that they worked on. A lot of the workplace culture the phrases of management or the company saying that we're like a family that was created by Tavistock. Hmm. They inserted those words into corporate life so that you as a worker psychologically think of your coworkers in your company as family and you would work overtime and you would work extra hard for your family. A lot of these things are psychological breakdowns of Just even your everyday work life. Man, it just feels like we've all been guilty of that at Mm -hmm. some place. We've been conditioned to over Ah. the course of our work life. We've been conditioned to. You start to see really what unfolds when you look into Tavistock and what they're responsible for.
2: That's a big one right there. Shall we talk a little bit about the founders? Individually, some of the founding members would conduct some fascinating studies and research into groupthink and manipulation of the human psyche. In particular, John Rees and Henry Dick were tasked with caring for Hitler's deputy, Rudolf Hess. In the secret prison locations where he was held following his capture, Rees appears to have had a four-year interaction with Hess, from June 1941 to Hess's appearance at the Nuremberg trials. Hess's diaries recorded many meetings with Rees referred to at the time as Colonel Reese, in which Hess accused his captors of attempting to poison, drug, and mesmerize him.
0: Mm.
1: Wilfred Bion was also involved in group thinking projects. He noticed that whenever a group is formed, it always looks for a leader to follow. The group will initially look for someone who is paranoid, schizophrenic, or malignant hysteric. If the group can't find someone with those characteristics, it looks for someone with delinquent tendencies and a psychopathic personality. Otherwise, the group would simply choose the verbally simple high-grade defective. So the dumb one? The stupid one? Is that what that means? (laughs) Verbally simple and high-grade defective. That is the most insulting fucking thing that you could say to someone.
0: When they form these groups, the group chooses the leader based on these qualities. Okay. So naturally, and it follows a lot of film and TV. If you look at small groups that are formed naturally, what happens is they choose the strongest or what's perceived as the strongest. And in reality, those people have psychopathic tendencies and they're most likely the ones that are morally questionable because morally questionable and psychopathic people have more of a chance to do whatever it takes to make sure that the group survives. That's what they look for. They look for someone who is a little bit off, but off enough for that person to literally do anything for their group to make sure that their group is successful.
2: Psychotic and competent. Mm-hmm. Okay. High-grade defective.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
2: I, I, I got
0: it. It's a weird dynamic, but it's human nature, realistically. <laughs>
2: I, I originally thought that they just put everybody in a room. They're like, look at the guy. Look at the guy who bites his fingernails.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the guy. Get rid of him.
0: That's our guy. It's pretty evident in a lot of groups that you look at. If you look at uh, Nazis. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. The tendency to follow someone who is not necessarily just high up and high ranking, but also a person who you know will go the length. And that's true of pretty much any high-grade leader. Saddam Hussein, Fidel. Yeah. Also, if you're looking at Verbally Simple, let's bring it home. Who was verbally simple, willing to do anything for their constituents, their group, but was viewed as a little dumb or a little crazy, our last president. And he formed this MAGA group, and he formed these extreme right-wing conservative groups, and they followed him because they knew that was the type of guy that they needed.
2: Well, yeah, not to get too deep into that subject, but some of those groups were definitely around well before he was
0: But they rallied around him as the new leader.
2: Well, because he was one of the first presidents that was actively using Twitter.
0: It's a good way to get a hold of people. (laughs) The Messiah. (laughs) Alexander Macbeth Wilson focused on family and marital relationships. He would eventually become the World Health Organization, or the WHO's, chairman of the Committee on Automation and Mental Health. After leaving Tavistock in 1958, he worked as an advisor to Unilever on the application of social science. That's kind of frightening because Unilever does anything that has to do with your body.
2: Soap, shampoo, deodorant, anything. And did that create the stigma of using these products? Or are they putting certain things into these products? Stuff you ingest, too. They
1: make like snacks and foods.
0: But don't necessarily look at the products themselves. Look at how they're marketed. That's where he would come in. And that's where these people come in is not necessarily physically Doing something to you or physically creating something, but using your own mind and certain words and tactics against you.
2: To create profit, you just take shampoo, for example, or conditioner. You need them both. You need them both. Both Unilever. Spend your however much you spend on it and you got to do it to look good and smell good. And
1: if you don't do it,
2: you're a homeless person.
1: (laughs) That's the definition of evil. Taking... Human nature weaponizing it for
0: profit, I would say so. Edward Bernays, who is the nephew of Sigmund Freud, we all know who he is, was another Tavistock associate. He was a crowd psychology expert who believed that with the right amount of prompting and wordplay, you could control the masses to do literally anything.
2: Bernays would go on to become the advisor to President Woodrow Wilson, this would lead to Bernays convincing Wilson to declare war on Germany in World War I and establish the Federal Reserve Act, which would create the central banking system of the United States. Tavistock would also be the key figure in creating war propaganda in World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, and even the Gulf War. Wow yikes now that's where it gets real hairy because now you got the federal reserve and that's a big allegation to convince someone to declare war on germany in world war one mm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: what was the guy from the two towers in lord of the rings with the dirty nails oh, yeah. that creepy
0: creepy dude. yeah looks like he eats pickled eggs yeah, he looked like a really, really, really sick version of Gerard Way. As we'll get into, Bernays was not the only one that was responsible for this fight against Germany. You'll see that throughout World War One and World War Two, there were a few people from Tavistock that were definitely trying to get the United States and the UK to go to war with Germany.
1: All right, so you know how sometimes I come up with ideas for like animated TV shows. I've I like got a it. new one. It's the Avengers, except it's Tavistock, and instead of fighting evil, <laughs> they're literally manipulating the population. These guys are the <laughs> Avengers of global manipulation. They just took the planet by the fucking balls, huh? Following World War I and the establishment of the central banking system, morality would decline, giving way to the coined term, quote, the new morality, or liberalism. Liberalism would be the cause of further moral decline, particularly among women in the 1920s. Tavistock created propaganda in the form of music and print to promote the narrative of loose women. Why? Uh Mm -hmm. So are we still talking the, yeah, the 20s. You've got the roaring 20s. If you know anything about the 20s, drug-induced, lots of alcoholism, lots of loose women. They were partying constantly, dude. Constantly.
0: That's the inception of flappers, mm. you know, the women that go out and party and dance and do some sort of Charleston dance.
1: They're doing the Coke and
2: smoking doing the orges. cigarettes
0: and staying out all night and
2: drinking Coca Cola with
1: Coke in it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I've just watched a couple seasons of Peaky Blinders. <laughs> <laughs> that's like
2: 1895. No, no, that's the
0: 20s. No, yeah, that's no. the 20s. Yeah, they got Is cars. It? Yeah. Yeah. They got cars.
2: Oh, they got the, the awoogas. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <A-w-ga>. <laughs> I guess. A quote from Dr. John Coleman, who wrote books on the Committee of 300 and the Tavistock Institute, sums up this societal change best. Quote, It was confirmed by the post-war degradation of personal relationships. Divorce and cheating on one's wife happened more frequently. This beautiful concept of women on a pedestal, women soft and feminine, with a lovely voice filled with cadences, the flower of God's creation, the mystery of womanhood, was a vanishing ideal. In her place came the strident, loud, vulgar stranger with clattering, grating speech such as would be aped and made popular by radio broadcasting and later television shows. Nobody could possibly know that this decline was the end product of Tavistock having declared war on Western womanhood. That's big. It's big right there. Alright,
2: see where we're going with this. I see what this is the mother of all conspiracies. This is a lot. A lot of avenues already.
0: And let's take a step back. If you want to bring that idea forward to current day, the women's empowerment movement, feminism, the rise of the feminine male, these are all things that possibly, I'm not saying that they are, but possibly could be creations of Tavistock also. The male-hating female The female that says, all men should die, that type of thing, and cheering about men committing suicide or anything like that. Those women exist because of the socially accepted things that are very dark and very wrong, but they're socially accepted within the realm of feminism and they're passed down and passed down as acceptable. And these women just parrot these things back and forth when in reality they're not looking at the simple thing that, like, men are human too. Is Tavistock trying to also create this gender disparity or this gender war that's currently going on? Because it seems, if you look back to the 1920s and the inception of this thought with women, that they created that problem, and women and men were at ends with each other in the 20s. Obviously, it's, it's an updated version of it, but nowadays you see the same type of things happening, a disparity between men and women. It's men versus women. Everybody kind of loses. And that's the whole point.
1: That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, everybody loses, but I don't really believe in coincidence, so I'm not just going to throw my hands up in the air and say, well, they went after the women in the 20s, and now they're going after the men and cheering on the women in the 2020s, 100 years later, and I'm thinking to myself, like, why did it happen that way? What are they gaining from that 100 years ago and from this now? I get the social decline and the moral decline aspect of it. It's just the matter of how it's gone about.
0: And like you said, that was the original plan and the original blueprint for why Tavistock was created and why Tavistock was spread into the United States. That was one of the key elements of its creation is to bring down the morality and degradation of American society.
1: It's because we put the tea in the river, right?
0: Could be, you know, <laughs> It could be. could be, they're
2: still upset about that we dump the tea in the the haba <sighs> it doesn't seem like this is very hard to do especially if you're breaking up the household especially in roles within the household and then in employment you know like we said earlier how they incorporated women into the workplace then you're bringing more people essentially into the consumer market you're splitting that up. So instead of one single income that you're having, your male and female buy their own products and buy their own things that they're interested in or need. So you're having twice that. And you're also creating a society where if you don't have a job, you're a fucking loser. Or you don't go to school to get a job or do this and you don't make enough money. You're not as cool as the other guy. You have that stigma, and it all stems from that. It's really frightening. Tavistock, as we previously mentioned, had an impact on American politics. Herbert Hoover was a firm supporter of a strong American labor force. He fought against the establishment of the Federal Reserve and centralized banks, believing that they were bad for the country. Are they?
0: No, 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 no. not at all. Not at all. No. Gold standard. No. no, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> Some
2: believe the stock market crash of 1929 was a direct result of Hoover challenging these entities. The banks caused the crash which led to the great depression as a warning and punishment to Hoover and the people Mm -hmm. (laughs) big, a big fuck you.
0: Hey, they're willing to burn it down to prove a point. That's what scares me now. Yeah. But now I don't see our president having the same values As fighting against the Federal Reserve or centralized banking. No, 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 no. (laughs) So why are they bringing it down now? Exactly. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Like, what is the motive? If you want to keep it very basic and to the point, Tavistock is a collection of social engineers. Social engineers, psychiatrists, psychologists, as we've said For all we know, a lot of this stuff could just be collecting data. They're running research on how people react to certain situations and do certain things and go a certain way. It could all just be social experiments at this point. We don't know. Maybe that's why everything seems so outrageous and so outside the norm is that all these ridiculous things are happening and it would make sense that there is just this group of people that are starting these issues and starting these things that are happening and just seeing how we react to them. And they're all so different from each other and they're all so outlandish and ridiculous
1: you make a good point. Maybe I'm giving yeah. them too much credit. I think there's some sort of grand plan or like grand design from these people, and but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe okay. it's just a fuck around and find out sort of. Yeah, they're club. just running with it. Hmm? In another instance of American political sway, it's said that the Institute were the brains behind the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1963. They then proposed the FEMA program to President John F. Kennedy, shout out, God bless, who rejected the idea and was coincidentally assassinated later that year. Beginning after World War II, Tavistock would apply all of the data it had collected from shell-shocked soldiers since World War I to psychological torture methods.
0: Now, one thing to keep in mind before we keep moving as we're talking about President Kennedy Think about one of the groups of people that we thought could have been behind the assassination of Kennedy, the CIA. Just keep that in your head as we move forward and we keep talking about these guys. Yeah, Yeah. It's in my head. I like it. These techniques would be used against POWs in the Korean War and subsequent conflicts. This would also extend to the American people. Psychology as a weapon, developed by a foreign entity, used against the United States citizens for total control of the collective mind. It's brainwashing at its finest.
2: Speaking of brainwashing, Dr. William Sargent was a psychiatrist known to promote treatments such as psychosurgery, deep sleep treatment, electroconclusive therapy, and insulin shock therapy. He was also... Conveniently, a member of Tavistock. Insulin shock therapy—that
1: sounds fucking
0: terrible,
1: right? Is that's that awful. just giving somebody a coma?
0: Oh my god! It's either giving too much insulin or not enough insulin to cause shock in the body to send a person into shock. I think it's too much, right? Is it too much? It might be too much. Yeah, I
2: w- it would make sense for them to crash without
1: insulin. Mm-hmm. So, oh my god, that's sick. Sargent was no stranger to using extreme methods in the name of mental health and science, and during his tenure at the Institute, was reportedly a part of the CIA's Project MKUltra. Fucking it. Re- <laughs> Called it. <laughs> called it. Spoiler alert. He released a book in 1957 called Battle for the Mind, a Physiology of Coversion and Brainwashing. He's quoted as saying,
0: Various beliefs can be implanted in many people after brain function has been sufficiently disturbed by accidentally or deliberately inducing fear, anger, or excitement. Of the results caused by such disturbances, the most common one is temporarily impaired judgment and heightened suggestibility. Its various group manifestations are sometimes classed under the heading of, quote, herd instinct. And appear most spectacularly in wartime, during severe epidemics, and in all similar periods of common danger, which increase anxiety and so individual and mass suggestibility. Ah, holy shit. Epidemic is mentioned, war is mentioned, heightened anxiety. All the time. What are we constantly in? We're either constantly at war. We just got off of, well, we're still in apparently a three year at this point pandemic.
2: It would appear that they've been trying to do this forever because you have like H1N1, swine flu, this thing, that thing.
1: We can now maybe point some fingers. The AIDS epidemic. Dude, I don't know about you guys, but I was so scared about Ebola when I was like 12. (laughs) Implanting beliefs. Yeah. That quote literally sums up where we're at right now.
0: Yep. And think about that. That was in the 50s, 1957. Ooh. Wild.
1: But th- think about how hard-headed the boomers are, though. How much <laughs> do you think that plays into it? Do you think they went for like a softer approach? Something changed because there's a clear divide. <laughs> I don't think they
2: had a softer approach. They forced people to go to war, and they shot their president. In that span. Not my president. Not my my president. (laughs) More doctors, guys. The endless list of doctors. Mm. Dr. Kurt Lewin, known as the father of modern social psychology, also born in Germany, became the director of Tavistock in 1933.
0: Sus. Very sus. It gets sussier.
2: Ooh. He was the driving force behind the anti-German sentiment campaign that would eventually lead the United States to war with Germany. Again. It's also claimed that the mass civilian bombings carried out by both the UK and the United States were part of Tavistock's research
0: into mass fear. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. Wild. And Hushlings, I just want to point out. This is a massive subject. This is a massive subject. If you look into pretty much any of the major wartime things that happened, wartime events that happened, if you look into major social events that happened, if you look into certain music and TV, movie, Hollywood type things, uh, Tavistock is there. It's a massive, massive subject. Hence, being the mother of all conspiracies. And the Avengers. And the And the Avengers of all conspiracies. (laughs) I mean,
2: that could be a total part of it. That movie. I mean, all the movies, right?
1: They're the Avengers and JFK is Thanos.
2: People are going to really hate me about that. But isn't MCU just like military propaganda with super high-tech weapons? The Avengers is nationalism.
0: But at the same time, when you reach a certain point, like after 9-11. 9-11 happened and you start to see the introduction of the term homeland when it comes to America, Department of Homeland Security, TV shows, homeland, scripts that were written where the homeland is mentioned. This happens after 9-11. This happens after a major terrorist attack where we start to refer to America as the homeland. Even the verbiage of how we refer to certain things were changed after certain events happened. And that's all the work of Tavistock. Bonkers. A foreign
1: institute. A foreign
2: institute.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's domestic now, partially, mostly, but Mm. yeah, it started in the UK.
1: Hushlings will return after this short message.
0: Hushlings, we'd like to let you know that Rockfin is officially the home of the new Hush Hush Society video content. It is the exclusive home to all of our debriefings, declassified discussions, and all of our video content. It's very easy to go over there, rockfin.com forward slash hush hush society, and you can subscribe to our channel.
1: And be sure to check out our website, the one stop shop for everything Hush related. There you can find all of our blogs, our audio debriefings, links to our merch as well as all of our social media links lastly if you love our show and want to
2: support us in becoming a better podcast look us up on patreon we've got a ton of exclusive content over there for only five dollars a month that's www.patreon.com forward slash hush hush society
0: and as always, Hushlings, we would welcome you to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you're able to leave us a rating, including our website. Greetings, Hushlings. Join your voyagers as we travel back to 1587 to Roanoke Island in what is now North Carolina.
1: Due to a lack of supplies and negative interactions with the indigenous population,
0: their leader traveled back to England. Only to return three years later to find the entire colony abandoned. To this day, no one knows what happened to the settlers. On Monday, November 28th,
1: join us as we investigate what happened
0: to the lost colony of Roanoke.
1: Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Under the direction of Lewin and in agreement with Winston Churchill... President Roosevelt would send Major General William Donovan for indoctrination training at Tavistock. This would be the first step in Donovan establishing the OSS, or Office of Strategic Services, which would serve as a precursor to the
0: CIA. Dave is stressed. <laughs> it's
1: <is Dude>, <laughs> okay, dude. It's all right. Mental health check for our friend. You okay? Can I take you a mental around? health day? Dr. Lewin also contributed to the development of a comprehensive research program that resulted in the establishment of the Office of Naval Intelligence, the premier intelligence service in the United States. Hmm. I'm real stressed out.
0: One more piece of interesting factoid here. The ONI, or the Office of Naval Intelligence, is actually a lot larger in scope than the CIA.
1: Why have I never heard of
0: them? For exactly that reason. When you think of the CIA, you think of this all-encompassing dark group that does all these shady things around the world. Well, the ONI is massively larger because they're backed by the military-industrial complex, and they are intelligence-gathering experts. And the Navy is a global force. They're everywhere. I mean, the CIA is too, but... With the ONI, it's a lot more massive in scale.
1: Yeah, they have a bigger reach. They're backed by the military industrial complex, but are they militarized? They're probably in the Pentagon, yeah. right? Yeah, no, they are. Based. They are. Yeah. That's scary.
0: What's even more interesting is that Roosevelt, and this is a little known fact that not a lot of people know, is that Roosevelt actually ceded power of the United States to Winston Churchill. During World War II, he gave power to England, pretty much, to Winston Churchill, to be able to change protocols and our policies and pretty much everything in exchange for being able to set up the OSS and be trained by Tavistock. You think this is just the British
2: trying to take back the United States, trying to take back the people? Big fuck you to the U.S.?
0: In a way, and it's been said, there are people that believe that we never were our own country. We have always been under the control of the U.K.
2: You're saying the Redcoats actually gave up and just left and said, forget
0: it. I mean, we could sign the Declaration of Independence, but... Technically, we are still owned by Britain.
1: I listened to a podcast the other day that went into depth about that, but I was zoning out totally and I wish I could bring more to the table about that, but (laughs) I cannot. But I've heard about that. I have heard about that. Yeah.
0: Something to definitely look into if it interests you. Tavistock also wrote and implemented the operating guidelines for both the OSS and the CIA. And it's claimed that the Institute trains CIA and MI6 operatives. They are taught a variety of psychological techniques such as mind control, ESP, behavior modification, the Kabbalah, metaphysics, occult knowledge, and hypnotism. Have some of these practices
2: been brought down as low as like, the police departments? Because the tactics that they use verbally, it seems like they're very careful with how they respond to people. When they're in interactions with folks.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe adopted at a state level. I'm sure your local town police or county police aren't indoctrinated with CIA policy and training. Maybe at a state level, they're seeing some of these things. But again, I think that's more like policy. I think that's more how do we handle certain situations not necessarily the training of mind control.
2: It would make sense. In a place like California, you'd definitely see that. New York.
0: Yeah. I would say state entities, even maybe local as far as statewide, FBI offices. The FBI, I, I would think a large part of their intelligences and policies and training are handed down through the CIA or through other entities such as Tavistock. Holy crap. And it's
2: about to get weirder, folks. Strap mm. in. We're about to talk about the Beatles. As we jump forward into the 1950s and 60s, we see Tavistock involved in something we're all familiar with. Rock and roll, baby. Hey, Tavistock is said to have been directly involved in the formation of the Beatles. Wowza. And they were created as a plan to further degrade American culture.
1: You felt a fight in Brads. <laughs> How you like music? You like music? Then check this out. Listen to this guy, huh? <laughs> I knew you couldn't contain
2: yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't do it. The Beatles and other UK invasion bands were allegedly created by the Institute to promote the counterculture agenda. The New Age Revolution and the use of LSD. This would further push the US into the land of drugged up drones ready and willing
0: to be mind controlled and molded. The UK invasion bands also include Pink Floyd and The Doors. The Who? Not The Doors. No, The Rolling Stones.
1: A man named Theodore Adorno is said to be the writer of all the Beatles' music lyrics although there's not much evidence to support this claim. It's odd that the estate of Adorno owned the catalog of Beatles music in its entirety, all of it, and later sold it to Michael Jackson. So the dude allegedly writing their music, even though, you know, there's no proof owned all of their music.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: This raised the question of why Paul McCartney couldn't keep the rights to the music. This very well could be because he didn't write or create any of the songs. Uh, my knowledge was that he had sold the rights.
0: Apparently the Beatles never owned the entire catalog of their music. It belonged to the estate of Adorno. They didn't get like royalties for anything they did. They got paid. They got to live out the dream of being rock stars, but their music wasn't written by them.
2: At least lyrically. That'd be crazy if that was true. It seems kind of legit. You have to question it all at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, all of music. Well, not all of music, but most of the stuff that's swayed culture back and forth. The billboard music. Yeah.
0: Theodore Adorno was a musician himself and a member of the Institute. He could very well be one of the brains behind modern rock and roll. I mean, I like him for that. Adorno utilized the twelve-atonal system, which consists of heavy, repetitive sounds derived from the music of the Dionysus cult and the Ball Priesthood. He then gave them a modern flavor. Adorno, in other words, dumbed it down for the sake of creating rock and roll. So stupid music. <laughs>
1: so music magic, this 12-atonal system, heavy repetitive sounds. What does that have to do with frequency and energy and making people feel and do and act certain ways? Mm -hmm.
0: And look at where it came from.
1: A A fucking cult?
0: The cult of Dionysus and the priesthood of Baal. So that's a satanic priesthood, pretty much. You bring up a very good point of what that could be doing frequency-wise, what that could be doing to the minds of people that listen to that type of music.
1: What is the 12-atonal system?
0: There are some videos out there of Adorno music that he had created that sounds absolutely fucking terrible. He was also a big proponent of certain composers, mainly composers that weren't very good, again. He used a lot of these weird tonal changes in the music and really played with a lot of things that were supposed to evoke certain emotions or feelings as you listen to it. Not necessarily good ones either, because like I said, they had like a six minute video and I could listen to about 45 seconds of it. So it's pretty much the brown note. It's not very melodic. There's no melody to it. There's nothing that makes you really want to bop. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's a lot of music like that now and i'm not just saying that to be a dick like there's artists that specialize in like offbeat sort yeah. of music
2: in an interview with exente magazine in 1965 adorno said quote what can be urged against the beatles is simply that what these people have to offer is something that is retarded in terms of its own objective content It can be shown that the means of expression that are employed and preserved here are in reality no more than traditional techniques in a degraded form. End quote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he's just like
0: make rock and roll to make people just feel bad. He just gaslight himself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he created the music supposedly. So if he's sitting there saying that it's a degraded form of music, then he has only himself to blame. I'm not a big Beatles fan, but they've created,
2: if it's their music, they've created some of the most well-known songs that have ever been composed. He's going to just say, oh, no, that's just stupid, (laughs) but I created it. It's weird.
0: But it's stupid in a psychological way. Yeah. Well, then that's fucking sick, man. But it also could just be lyrically that he's talking about, because if he is the lyric writer he wrote the lyrics specifically that way so we're not talking necessarily about musicality because the 12 atonal system was not used by the beatles it's just something that mm. he used maybe in other music or was known to use in his own music which is terrible
1: maybe i'm looking too far into this here's a sub theory for you real quick now what if adorno had nothing to do with writing the Beatles music or creating the Beatles. What if Tavistock didn't create the Beatles? And Adorno was just a failed, terrible musician who is very jealous of this, this group that came from Britain that was able to make fantastic music and control the masses with it, make them feel things he could never make them feel. So he was just upset. So he went to this
0: news magazine to put them on blast. Then why did he own their music?
1: You're right. You're right. (laughs) The establishment media was also a key contributor in the success of these counterculture bands, mainly the Beatles. TV talk show host Ed Sullivan would be flown to England to preview the Institute's music icons and then be coached on how to sell them to the general public. The Tavistock Institute, along with the Stanford Research Institute, also formed the Grateful Dead. Alan Trist, who is a social engineer for Tavistock, just so happened to be a manager for that band.
2: What the fuck are we talking about?
1: (laughs) Your life is a lie. Yeah, man.
0: (laughs) We've talked about it kind of before, but there is the thought that the counterculture or the hippie revolution or whatever you want to call it was something that was created by the CIA.
1: It was created
0: to divert attention from the war and to be a stark contrast. But And then you start to see that a lot of the key figures in that counterculture were actual either CIA-trained operatives or CIA personnel or FBI personnel, people that were in the intelligence community even peripherally. It does make you think how deep of that movement In how much of that movement was created by the CIA, or in this case, Tavistock. But they're pulling the strings in the counterculture movement and over here in, in Vietnam. And in the establishment. So not only are they pulling the strings within the American political system, they're pulling the strings as we're at war, and they're pulling the strings of the groups that are countering or protesting the war. Literally every piece and part of what we were doing throughout the 60s, 50s, 70s, and beyond.
1: I think you kind of sold me on the whole idea that it's just fuck around and find out. And that they don't have any sort of idea what's to come from these experiments
0: that they're running. Like I said, there also may be the other side of it where there is a grand design and there is a grand plan. But we don't know what it is.
2: You got to put generations through the ringer and see what people can endure at different times, especially now that we're dealing with the most technologically advanced society that we've ever had on this planet from our knowledge. And let's just throw people for the loop. And we've been like this for 70 years, very technologically advanced, especially coming out of World War II. We've just tenfold and tenfold and tenfold every decade. Now it's every year and every week. If you're talking about like a grand design, maybe it's to see who can handle Everything,
0: And you're going to see coming up how much of that technology may also be a plan of, of Tavistock. I fucking hate this. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> a powerful Canadian oil industry member, Maurice Strong, chaired the Tavistock Conference of 1980. He would also be the spearhead for the climate change agenda beginning in the 1960s. This conference would gather social engineers doctors from the fields of psychology and psychiatry, think tanks, cybernetic experts, and futurologists. The topics discussed would serve as a focal point for what Tavistock would like to see happen in the 1980s.
2: Topics include interracial relationships, women in the workforce, youth rebellion, lesbian moms, the Green Movement, the introduction of a cabalistic and esotericism, to undermine religious beliefs, the New Age movement, even the rise of Oprah Winfrey. (laughs) It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah, that that is the glue that holds it all together. This is the cheesecloth holding together the goop of fucking society. (laughs) As previously mentioned, the conference of 1980 would include futurists and experts in cybernetics. Jesus Christ, man. This doesn't stop. One of the goals of Tavistock has been something known as the Technotronic Era. So they're just controlling everything. Dave is Man, so I'm stressed. stressed dude. Out. I'm so stressed out by this right now.
1: <laughs> this can best be said by author Zbigniew Brzezinski, author of Between Two Ages, America's Role in the Technotronic Era. A little quote from the book. In the technotronic society, the trend would seem to be towards the aggregation of the individual support of millions of uncoordinated citizens, easily within the reach of magnetic and attractive personalities, exploiting the latest communications techniques to manipulate emotions and control reason.
0: Sounds like our show. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We're very attractive, magnetic people.
1: I wouldn't go that far, but... We're magnetic. (laughs) I do eat magnets. (laughs) Eat magnets.
0: Magnets, how do they work?
2: In other words, a time when famous figures or politicians could bombard our psyches and manipulate our thoughts simply through the use of media, technology, and modern communications. This society would be more controlled and run by an evil elite With constant surveillance and fear campaigns to support Oh fucking man, dude. It's like Mm -hmm. this is this is life. This is is America. Yeah. This technotronic era is already in full effect, according to Dr. John Coleman. Based upon decline and the fall of the West, it called for the planned decadence with stars leading the way in demolishing the institution of marriage sex in the context of marriage, profane language, drug-taking, and severely immodest dress styles for women. Some of the leading stars, especially created for this purpose by the social science scientists at the Tavistock were Madonna, Kate Moss, and Britney
0: Spears. He goes on to say, many of today's so-called stars in the movie business, stage, and theater, the fashion industry... Talk show hosts on such popular series as Oprah, Dr. Phil, and game shows such as Bob Barker of The Price is Right. No, not Bob. Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen DeGeneres would be unhappy to learn that they are merely the end product of Edward Bernays, H.V. Byron Dix, Madeline O'Hare, and the social sciences stars at Tavistock. Do you think that
1: Tavistock planted the cash me outside girl on Dr. Phil. Oh, for sure. For sure. Do you think they were behind that? For sure. Definitely. If they're behind Dr. Phil and Oprah and all that, I mean.
0: Think of that as an experiment. How interesting would it be to take someone that is so blatantly fucking stupid, not famous for anything, but speaking in such a, just an asinine way and then <laughs> seeing how popular and how famous we can make that person from literally... Zero to hero. Yeah. Well, but yeah, maybe this is just a means to see what the public will eat up. Fuck around and find out. In dealing with the masses and how to best control them, Tavistock's greatest minds, including Dr. Lewin, devised the perfect psyop, the three-response system. Here's where things get very interesting. The three-response system is how the population would react to worldwide crises or catastrophic events. This is a vital tool in crisis management used by world leaders to this day. The three responses are as
1: follows. Superficiality, fragmentation, and the fantasy trip. Superficiality is a condition that occurs when a group responds to a threat by using shallow advertising and slogans that they try to pass off as ideals because the source of the crisis has not been identified. It confuses the population, and this phase can last as long as the controller desires.
0: Make America great again. Jesus Christ.
1: But it didn't last as long as the controller could have desired because we have term limits.
0: Mm, It's still lasting. He's not even in office anymore, and there's still people that throw that MAGA shit. Is he back
1: on Twitter, or was that just a meme? He'll be back. Elon will give him the keys.
2: pop Elon. And then there's fragmentation, which is the stage in which panic sets in, and social cohesion breaks down. As a result of media manipulation, society breaks into small groups with contrasting attitudes and beliefs. Nobody is on the same wavelength. No one is getting the truth. And people are becoming separated and fragmented from one another. So January sixth and George Floyd, mm. this this whole shebang, man. Pretty much Masked, everything unmasked,
0: vaccinated, unvaccinated, vegan, non-vegan. It's just yep. it goes endless, endless, endless. Potato, potato. Right twix, yeah. left twix. <laughs> What's it gonna be? You know, I will tell you this much: if we break out into war. Civil War, if we just decline as a nation, I really hope it's over who thinks left Twix is better than right Twix and vice versa. Mm. Mm -hmm. I will scream in the streets at the top of my lungs that I am a left Twix person and be speared through the chest by a right Twix person.
1: (laughs) At least you die eating Twix. Would there even be Twix left? No, the rich would have them in their Fucking war bunkers. We wouldn't have any Twix. We'd be fighting over a commodity that we haven't seen in years.
0: The elites are in their bunkers with just millions of bars of Twix. <laughs> They're just doing, you know, like the whole like plotting hand thing going. They didn't even know the Twix were all the same. <laughs> we left them. We left
2: them the white chocolate ones. <laughs> Ew.
0: Yeah.
2: Don't, no. don't bring those
0: up. Civil unrest protests, verbal and physical altercations, all result from humans failing to determine the cause of the crisis. This leads to the final step, the fantasy trip. Sounds fun. Which Tavistock refers to as dissociation. People have been so traumatized by the false flag event that they have blocked it out and lost all hope and compassion in this final phase of the PSYOP. This dissociation causes people to voluntarily give up their liberties, allowing communist legislation to take effect without a fight. So that's where we're at right now. Oh, yeah. That's where we're at. I think that's about what's unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it wild? Take it into account that there is the possibility that your entire life... The things that you like, the music you listen to, the movies you watch, every aspect of your life that you thought was your own decision was predetermined by some fucking English guy sipping tea with his friends. But what if that guy sipping tea, what
1: if he's just predetermined by the simulation, man? It's all one and the same.
0: It's all the same.
2: This got me messed up like Black Rock Mm. kind of had me messed Mm. up. Just
1: too much. You will eat bugs and you will be happy. Could the three-response system be the cause of false flags such as mass shootings, domestic terrorism, and other deadly events? How many of these events are the brainchild of Tavistock think tanks in an effort to keep the population in a consistent state of fear? What's even more concerning is that the ideas we have, products we buy and consume,
2: music we listen to, media we watch, and the perpetual chaotic news cycle are most likely controlled by by the Tavistock Institute. And the Tavistock Institute has formed some of the largest think tanks in the world. And currently operates at least 30 organizations throughout the United States of America. You would think so if they're controlling the media they own every media company.
0: They don't own anything. So like they wouldn't own the media or anything like that. What they're talking about is that Tavistock itself owns think tanks and other social engineering companies or organizations throughout the country.
2: Say you're nowadays, if you're doing training at work and you're on an iPad or, or whatnot, and you're doing those, all those courses that have the janky acting and then the graphics, that's all part of that social process, especially when you're doing stuff that's dealing with management training. Mm-hmm. You know, cause you're dealing with people's feelings and ideas and opinions and si- certain situations and yep. sexual harassment and et cetera, all that stuff that feels, that's what I've been thinking about this whole time is that, that those courses feel completely orchestrated. Cause they're the same throughout different companies. Yeah. You just change the logos. Yeah. It's creepy.
0: Yeah. And, and that applies to all of workplace culture. It's not just the policies, it's not just the training, like you said, it's everything. It's the way that we've been taught to think about work, taught to think about the workplace and how we interact with coworkers and how we interact with management and our bosses and what we think about work outside of work and what we think about work while we're at work. These are all things that we have been conditioned over generations at this point to believe and to think of constantly. That was one of the biggest movements of Tavistock is the workplace culture. They worked tirelessly on workplace stuff. Why? I don't know. But it was just control the workforce. Then you control a, a lot of it already. If you control the consumer and look how many TV shows take place in the workplace. Yeah, there's tons of oh, them. Just, I mean, it's it's most of them. And then you look at things that are comparative. So if you're watching ER or if you're watching Law and Order, you look at it and go, Oh, I would be a great cop, you know, or Oh, I would be, you know, I think I could work in a hospital, that type of thing. You commiserate and you compare what goes on the TV workplace to what you do currently at your workplace. So it's even conditioned you as far. As to look at other workplaces as a destination of something that you don't even know whether you would be good at or enjoy, because it's a better option than what you do now. Either way, you're still fucking trapped.
2: Before we uh, move on, I have one question we didn't really talk about. I know we talk about the media technology and stuff like that. I mean, they have to have had a hand in every video game we've ever played then, correct?
0: I wouldn't say every video game. I mean, not every. In the research, I didn't really find anything as it pertains to video games. I'm Mm. sure there are a lot of different pieces of media or advertising or marketing that they are involved in that, like I said, this is a massive subject. EA has to be a part of them. (laughs) How, How much can we charge someone to buy a virtual sweater for their avatar it spans a lot the fingers of this organization touch pretty much everything that we do on a daily basis oh well hushlings this is the time in the show where we come to our reddit section reddit was filled with a bunch of stuff about tavistock much of which we covered in this episode we found a couple things that were pretty interesting so we will uh, dive into the reddit section this first one was pretty interesting. Uh, it's a quick one. The title of it was Travis Scott equals Tavistock. This was posted by user Call Me Bacon. <laughs> they go on to say The name Travis Scott always struck me as an exceedingly bland name for a modern rapper until a commenter pointed out that it's a homonym for Tavistock. It's a wrong use of the word homonym, but I get what he's saying. <laughs> The institute whose goal is devising methods of mind control to socially engineer the masses into subservience and slavery. Travis Scott, Tavistock. Frank and I did talk about that
2: in one of the earlier Frank factors where it was supposed to be the sacrifice of eight people. Was it nine people, eight people? And they had nine or eight flames and everything was the the mouth of Satan. So if Mm. you're not a
1: patron. I got into the numerology of eight a little yeah. bit weird shit. Our next post comes from user useless aether. It's titled Evidence links Tony po- Evidence links Tony Podesta, James Alephantis, Jimmy Seville, and Abuse Victim Kim Noble to same British Medical Foundation. Welcome to Tavistock. The post starts off by saying I just want to give out a bit of a short summary because someone requested in the previous thread. It's a whole lot of complicated information, but I really want everyone to see just how tightly intertwined the comet group is to Tavistock. Tavistock has been viewed as a kind of social engineering machine to control the populace, but researchers have failed to identify the Tavistock Institute as being culpable. Continues. It's more
2: likely that Tavistock, as we know it, is run by a group called the Welcome Trust. They are a foundation derived from a company that happened to run a museum, which itself ran a company that was supposed to look like a foundation. This confusion is by design. Today, the drug company is owned by GlaxoSmithKline. Welcome. Welcome is located beside University College campus in London as is the Tavistock Institute.
0: Archive newspaper articles from the 80s and 90s reveal AIDS advocacy groups called ACT UP in AMFAR were bankrolled by the Wellcome Trust, while Burroughs' Wellcome PLC, the drug company, tried to pass AZT fringe critics who called the operation fraud and racketeering were silenced. 25 years later, Alephantis from Comet Ping Pong, appears to organize a protest for the same group, or at least on behalf of their members. His friend and comet associate, Kid Congo Powers, is revealed to be a card-carrying member.
1: Artists and musicians involved in all of this began showing more and more links to British and American intelligence, most notably out of art galleries in New York City, DC, and London. MoMA appears to be the U.S. Power Center and, in the U.K., the Tate Modern. Investigation into financials shows that the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, are major funders of Welcome and have worked as researchers for them. An international art therapy program operating out of Baltimore and Switzerland links Tony Podesta to the former and Aliphantus to the latter. Links show Jimmy Seville was also involved in the program at the
2: hospital where he abused hundreds, and that Kim Noble was one of its victims. A century-long examination of socialites in D.C. through newspaper archives reveals the Harriman family, one of the world's wealthiest, have been one of the main providers of, quote, entertainment to Congress. They also co-founded Tavistock and a series of eugenics programs with the Rockefellers.
0: My conclusion is that Tavistock, MKUltra, Skull & Bones, and the Rothschild Conspiracy are all one single monster, bankrolled by the City of London, and backed by Western intelligence. Wild.
2: Holy fucking shit.
0: (sighs) Now this is a theory by this user, obviously, he backs it with some interesting fact, but... He's saying that AIDS foundations and pharmaceutical companies that made AIDS medications, art galleries, even Comet Ping Pong, Podesta. And this is a big role rolling into the Rothschilds. It's all backed by Tavistock.
2: I think some of that was a little far-fetched, but there's some of it that I definitely can see.
0: Like I said, it's a theory. It's an interesting yeah. theory. But from what we've seen of Tavistock as a whole so far in this episode? I don't know. Is it beyond reasoning? No. Well, that brings us to our final thoughts, Hushlings. I know it was a big one. I think we are all all a little rattled by Tavistock in general. Let's start with Declassified. Dave, what do you got for us in your final thoughts?
2: This one stressed me out, as you've noticed throughout the last uh, hour plus. It freaked me out. And all I can think about now is kind of how I felt at the end of Black Rock, except a little bit more pukey at the end of this one. <laughs> because this if this corporation is doing exactly what we've talked about, everything's a lie. Your life doesn't matter. My final thoughts would be over an hour long if I really wanted to get deep and get angry about it. This is the mother of all conspiracies, because at the end of that last quote that this person's theory said... MK Ultra, Skull and Bones, Rothschild, Conspiracy. It's kind of like Russian dolls. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that this could definitely be either one of those or the top. And it's frightening to know that it's incepted itself into not just entertainment, but military. And it has cre- could have created wars. It's mind-blowing. And I'm actually disturbed. <laughs> so thanks for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks. Tavistock is a big one. I think it's one of the biggest topics that we've covered so far. It is definitely one of the most wide-reaching organizations that we've covered. If all of this alleged information, or even partially any of this, is true, then they still are a massive entity that plays a large part in our everyday lives. Whether it be... The things we think, the things we love, the decisions we make, the things that we do at work, it all boils down to this institute and it boils down to what they want and what they are trying to collect data on us for. What can you do about it? It's kind of like you go on the internet and you get that little pop-up that says, you know, third parties are looking to collect data since you're on this website and you just say, okay. Well, maybe we've all just been saying okay to Tavistock this entire time. We just don't know it. Slick, Frank, Sanders. Season 7, episode 1, Tavistock Institute, give me your final thought and make it a banger. Frogs. final thought.
1: That's right. First final thought of season 7. Massive subject, massive subject, very eye-opening, a little bit frightening. I'm left with a couple of questions for my final thoughts, more so than a conclusion. When it comes to global manipulating elites, where does the Tavistock Institute necessarily sit? Do they interact with other global elite groups? We can say Illuminati just as like a loose-knit term. Are they working in cohesion with other top 1%ers that are controlling the world? Are they doing their bidding? Are they getting to play out their social engineering experiments on the world's population as maybe a favor paid back? I, I'm not really sure. I think about it, it's a weird comparison, but like the the Nazi hierarchy, how you had Hitler and then the men below him and the men below them, and then you had the scientists doing the sick, twisted shit. I'm thinking that Tavistock might be like the bottom tier elite carrying out their six sadistic social engineering experiments and i'm gonna go with what mike said earlier on in the show that was just a hypothesis but the more we've run through it the more i believe it that they're doing this with absolutely no predicted outcome and they're just doing it to see what kind of happens maybe there's a plan later down the line with the data that they've collected that they'll be able to use for some sort of grand plot but they're just doing whatever it is that they will for now, just waiting and seeing what we'll find out. And none of it will matter in the end because the history books will be scrubbed and rewritten no matter the outcome. Nailed it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Final thoughts. Banger. That is one of the biggest questions is, and you bring up a good point. Who is in charge? Who is requesting this data? Who's requesting that they do these things and, that remains to be now seen. What's the purpose? You know, yeah, what is the purpose? Those two Maybe two is, big questions. Yeah. Just just to see what happens, or you know, is there some kind of endgame here? We'll never know until it's too late. Okay, hushlings. That concludes our visit to the Tavistock Institute. Was there anything we missed? Was there anything that we should have discussed? Would you like to look further into the Tavistock Institute? Let us know. Are we psychologically inept? Did we miss the social cues? Reach out to us. You can always get us at our email address at contact at hushhushsociety.com. In our next
1: debriefing, join us as we disappear into the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke. That'll be streaming everywhere November 28th and in video on our rock
2: fin. And as always patrons, another exclusive debriefing where we, Explore the full spread on the table of Thanksgiving, Conspiracies, and Mysteries, streaming only for you on Patreon, November 17th. Hushlings, thank you for joining us. I'm Declassified Dave.
0: And I'm Mystery Mike.
1: And I'm Frank Sanders.
0: Until our next debriefing, remember, the best-kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.